Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to All Exits Closed. My guest today is my friend Peter, retired doctor, Peter Cookson. And Dr. Cookson is here to talk about the surge over the past month or so in COVID cases. So we're definitely in the second wave, wouldn't you say, Peter? Oh, definitely. <clears throat> Pardon me. The question that I have is <clears throat> pardon me is this wave that we are seeing today with the covid virus similar to the second wave that they experienced in Fort Devens for instance uh, Massachusetts just uh 30 miles or so north and west of Boston where uh, they began to see dramatic increase not only in the number of cases but also in the virulence that is the toxicity or or how quickly the young soldiers would uh, ex- would die from the first onset of the uh, symptoms to death was uh, frequently less than one day. They would present with a cough and fever, and then within hours after that, they would start to turn blue and then brown, and they described the appearance of these young soldiers as so dark that they were unable to tell the difference between these Caucasian soldiers and the African-American soldiers who were similarly afflicted. That's how quickly the cyanosis uh, uh, spread throughout the body, and shortly thereafter they expired. So they were seeing young men die from in within hours from the time that they walked into the hospital to the time when they expired. We are not seeing that now. We are seeing a uh, surge in the number of cases uh, that was similar to the early onset of uh, the uh, inf- great influenza of 1918, which is a uh, trans- transmitted which was transmitted in much the same way that the coronavirus is, and that is by what's called aerosols or droplets through the air. Mm-hmm. But something changed in 1918 in August of that year. The virus changed its behavior in terms of its ability to elicit what we now know is a cytokine C-Y-T-O-K-I-N-E, cytokine storm, which produced massive uh, exudate of fluid into the lungs, which prevented the transpiration or the movement of oxygen from the air into the bloodstream. And so what happened was uh, when you took a breath, you didn't get any air into or oxygen into your blood. And very soon you ran out of oxygen and died. Uh, that's wow. what hap- That's what was happening in 1918. That happened on the first day of onset of symptoms. Cytokine storms do occur with the coronavirus, but much, much later. We don't see that kind of severe pulmonary or lung in uh, response to the infection until what I have been <clears throat> uh, informed is until the patients have been in the hospital for some period of time, usually, and then often as their condition deteriorates, 
the good clinicians realize that they require uh, assistance in respiration, and so they wind up in the intensive care unit and frequently on a respirator. And despite their best efforts, the body continues to pour fluid into the lungs, and uh, the lungs are unable to transfer air, even using a respirator, to the bloodstream, and these patients die of hypoxia or anoxia, no no oxygen, <clears throat> hypoxia, low oxygen, and anoxia, no oxygen. Anyhow, um, in, uh, in 1918, it took less than several, three or four hours or so to go from standing up and functioning to being dead. Uh, in this, the mechanism is pretty much the same, uh, but it's much, much slower. I think that the introduction of the use of corticosteroids has made a big difference. Physicians today recognize the importance of administering corticosteroids, which suppresses the immune system overreaction to the virus and thus saves lives or uh, prolongs uh, lives, certainly, uh, and probably saves a lot of lives from uh, by simply suppressing the body's own immune system. Um, that's you know we haven't seen that kind of behavior of the coronavirus yet, and so um, although we are certainly seeing what has been characterized as a second wave, what it is is a the virus when you think like a virus and try to put yourself in the shoes, quote-unquote, of a virus and ask yourself the question, what does a virus want to do? What does it want? It wants a place to live. It wants something to, quote, eat, unquote. And it wants uh, a more of the same. And so as we get into the colder periods of our year, the season, uh, people tend to go inside, yeah, and then they tend to breathe on one another and transmit the virus, which is quite uh, exactly what the virus wants. The virus didn't orchestrate it that way, but that's how things happen in the Northern Hemisphere during the wintertime. So that does not require the virus to alter its genetic makeup. It just simply uh, change the environment simply changes to be more conducive to the spread of the virus. It's, people hang out in rooms together, and they uh, talk and inter and connect with one another without protecting themselves or their friends and neighbors in the same room. Thus, we are seeing the second wave, uh, and it has not so far. Um, given us me evidence. Now, you mentioned something a, a little while ago, and I would like to hear you talk about that to uh, uh, elucidate whether or not uh, it's possible that the virus has also changed, like the, the influenza virus did in 1918 in, in August. You mean when I spoke to my friend Zach? Yes, please tell me about that. Okay, I... Uh spoke to a friend of mine yesterday who I haven't spoken with in a number of months, and he's 
on a leave of absence from his job, and he's working in a testing site. So he told me yesterday that the number of people going for tests has increased substantially, as well as the fact that people look sicker when they come to take the test. That's kind of frightening. Very definitely. Um, and uh, for a, uh, a non-clinician to make that uh, diagnosis, it suggests that what he's, he knows, what he's looking at, is somebody who's really sick. There are lots of ways that one can, you know, see that sort of thing <laughs> you know, in their faces. Uh, among the things you see is fear, and another yeah. that you see perhaps is what the the uh, young soldiers in uh, Boston and Camp Devon uh, showed was they turn their lips turned blue. They also had blotches or brown spots on their faces. I don't know if your friend saw anything like that. If he did, that's really scary. Uh, but perhaps you can just see in the faces of those persons who come to be tested fear and shortness of breath, for instance, or um, perspiration. Uh, perhaps uh, they test their temperature before doing the uh, coronavirus test. And if so, if they are running a, fe- running a fever, those uh, testing methods that they use are actually quite good. Uh, when they use the, uh, the device and hold it up to your forehead and see what your temperature is, you, know, you might think, well, uh, <laughs> do they really work? Well, actually they do. Uh, when you test them against the old-fashioned mercury thermometer, they're, they're quite good. So I don't I, know. Okay. What, dear? I have a question. I have a question for you. Yes. Now, everybody that that, uh, keeps up with the news and what's going on knows a a little while ago that uh, President Trump had the coronavirus. And within a short period of time, he was out and about. He was doing rallies. And he looked pretty good. Okay? If what they gave him in the hospital quote-unquote, cured him, why isn't that given to everybody? Okay. Uh, My understanding is is that he had a a cocktail of uh, therapeutic modalities. How's that? Uh, Different things were given to him. Uh, Among them was the uh, remdesivir, which is an antiviral agent uh, that is useful uh, during, if administered during the early, early in the course of the illness and tends to mm-hmm. shorten the duration of the symptoms. Um, my be- I'm sure he got that. The other thing that they gave him was a immune uh, antibodies that uh, a local producer here, I believe in Schenectady, uh, produces, I think the drug is called Regeneron, and uh, mm-hmm. that has not yet been released for general use, but uh, the testing and the trials have indicated it's very useful in uh, when given early on during the course of the illness. And the third thing, and probably the most significant treatment that they offered him, was dexamethasone, or uh, one of the corticosteroids. And that is generally available. It's very inexpensive, as drugs go. 
and that is being given uh, earlier in the treatment of patients, hospitalized patients who have uh, coronavirus. So that's at least available. The Regeneron is not available. Remdesivir is also being given early on to those hospitalized patients, and Mm -hmm. it does tend to reduce the number of days that the patients have to spend in intensive care unit if they're going to recover and the number Mm -hmm. of days that they're hospitalized. So uh, um, my comment on that is people are getting what the president got with the exception of the immune uh, uh, drugs. Okay. Okay. So... yeah, um, you know, if I went to the hospital today with coronavirus and was very, very sick, the first thing they would do is put me on de- uh, dexamethasone. That would prevent the, the cytokine storm that the young men in the Army and Navy were dying from in Fort Devon, uh, Boston, or Massachusetts, and elsewhere throughout the, the USA. Um, that was simply not available at that time, and, and they had no idea what the heck was going on. Uh, just before we went on, I read an, uh, a very brief synopsis, unfortunately, uh, about uh, an autopsy uh, findings. And <laughs> having done many, many autopsies myself, I, I have some idea of what the guy is trying to say when he, he gives a brief description of it. And what they found when they examined the lungs of the young man uh, was a, 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 what, a lungs that had the consistency of liver, which is very dense. And okay. there's no way you can transfer oxygen from the trachea and bronchioles into the bloodstream through liver. It doesn't work. So, and the, the yeah. denseness of the tissue was caused by extravasation of not only water and but proteinaceous protein into the air sacs in the lung that uh, hardens up very quickly and uh, clots and well, anyhow the other thing that were they were seeing back then that we're beginning to see or understand in the coronavirus is blood clots microscopic blood clots right. and uh we're not so sure. At first, they were looking for big blood clots in the lungs, and yeah, there's some of those there. But it's the microscopic blood clots that are far more worrisome because they get into the brain, and they're causing uh, micro uh, strokes. And uh, I suspect that that was what happened to our good President Wilson when uh, when he got the uh, influenza epidemic yeah. in uh, France back in 1919. Yeah. Hmm. It's, this, so, is not, um, this is going to get worse because more and more people, what's happening is that the progression of the number of cases is logarithmic, not <laughs> arithmetic, it's logarithmic. So it's it's going to be, we're going to have a huge number of sick people very quickly, uh, far beyond the capacity of the medical system in this in this country to cope with period. And so we're going to have a lot of people who will die because uh, they can't avail themselves of medical treatment, even dexamethasone. And uh, and it's because it's wintertime. It's fall and it's wintertime. The virus does not need to change if the virus changes. And, and what you told me about the observation that your friend made suggests that the virus has changed. 
and if it has changed and has become more virulent, more awful, more toxic, um, then we're going to see a whole lot more uh, illness and sick, very, very sick people and, and dead people, unfortunately, in this country. And it will spread very quickly uh, elsewhere. So. Uh, back, in, back in March, uh, Governor Cuomo had all of this, uh, a lot of the state offices closed. And yes. a lot of the state employees were working from home. Yes. And the and the end date for that was is supposed to be December thirty first. Yes. Okay. If the cases increase as you project, they might. That that uh, mandate to work from home is going to continue. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yes, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yes. Uh, our good governor is very smart, and he has some very good people at his side who are uh, advising him. And uh, mm-hmm. I am sure that uh, he's taking their, he will take their advice and say, no, stay home. Uh, it's not time yet to come back. Right. Well, so what do you project for this winter? Project what? In what way? Uh, the increase in cases? Yes. Oh, definitely. Markedly increased in in deaths, in in numbers of cases, um, you know, double or you know or more between now and uh, April or May. Far, far more cases. You know, per day we're seeing over a hundred thousand new cases a day. Forget what the number. What was the number this morning? Was that two hundred thousand or a hundred thousand? It was huge, new cases. Wow! And so, wow! And probably, you know, by the by the end of uh, of this month, what's this? Today is the twenty second. Uh, eight days, another week, we'll be seeing probably double that per day. I don't know what you're going to what what can you do with those number of people? There's just no place. I'm looking at photographs in this book. The name of the book is The Great Influenza by John Barry. And uh, the pictures taken that they he included in the book show policemen in 1918 wearing masks. Soldiers mm-hmm. in 1918 wearing masks. People who could mm-hmm. not go to church or whose churches were closed. You know, they had lockdowns in 1918 as well. And the good ladies who decided they wanted to go to church are sitting outside in chairs. Uh, all of them have a mask on. They don't social distance. They hadn't gotten that far. But they all had gotten well, to the point where they're ma- sitting out on the sidewalk <laughs> and somebody's preaching the good word to them. And everybody's well, got a mask, including the guy who's preaching. So, so masks were, under, were recognized back then as critical. There are also pictures in this book of empty streets and empty sidewalks in New York City. No cars, no people on the streets or on the sidewalks. They was locked down 1918. Mm-hmm. So what so, – go ahead. The premise of this uh, interview is 
an increase in the cases. Yes. So everything goes the way the Constitution said it must. Yes. Uh, and a little less than two months, Joe Biden will be our next president. Yes. And how do you think Joe Biden, do you think he's prepared for what he's going to face? Yes. Um, and okay. I, have, I have faith that uh, Mr. Biden is a person who has the good sense and uh, ability to recognize that he doesn't know everything and that he has uh, begun to gather around him individuals who are experts in the various fields that he is going to have to deal with or confront or problems that he's going to have to confront very soon. I have mm-hmm. only heard about the person that uh, um, uh, Mr. Blinken, um, that uh, he has asked to help him be Secretary of State. I have not heard him say or uh, ask about or suggest who he would appoint to help him uh, advise him regarding how to manage the COVID. That's a huge, huge job, and it will take more than one individual. My bet is is that he's going to assemble a, a good team, and Mr. Fauci uh, will be able to help him organize that, uh, and I'm sure he will make himself available. He's uh, a big man in terms of his uh, character and, and his ability to uh, to ask for help. So, uh, you have faith in Fauci? Do I what? Have faith in Fauci. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. You know, it's not hard what he has to do. You know, um, he, he does, he's not in the laboratory anymore. He was in the laboratory back in the 80s working on the HIV. And that was a different problem that uh, he was confronted with. Today, they, the problem is not confusing in terms of what to do and what to do next. The problem is mm-hmm. leadership. And uh, once uh, we solve that problem by changing the leadership and insisting on good health practices, health care practices, why, um, that's about all you can do. What, uh, what else we can do is up to the citizens to take care of themselves, to wear a mask. And, and today uh, I've heard for the first time people saying, when you go home, wear your mask at home too. Now, I've never heard wow. that before. Wow. But, yeah. So um, I know my wife and I, you know, we've been together for 30-some years, and it probably is a little late to put the mask on. But um, there are other families who have among their members what are called essential workers. These are people who are, you know, the nursing staffs in the hospitals are dwindling. This is one of the problems that they had back in 1918. The nurses were dying like they are now. Doctors were dying uh, like they are now. Yeah. So who is taking care of them? Who is taking, you know, I saw a picture the other day of – jail inmates being used to remove cadavers from hospitals and and put them in refrigeration trucks. You know, they're going to get sick too. 
Um, you know, that's horrible, of course, you know, on another scale. But anyhow, what's, ha- what's going to happen is that this disease is going to spread. Uh, trying to uh, sterilize yourself after you spend a day in a hospital laden with coronavirus all over the place or you spend a day delivering food. How about if you're working in the cafeteria in the hospital and you put the trays on there and then you pull the trays off after they come back from the COVID ward and wash them? Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to slip but once before you get carry some home with you to your family and your children. Right. So and well. then, you know, then it starts all over. It starts in that household, and those children play with the neighbors' kids or or whatever. And okay, I've got. I think this is an important question to ask. Yes. You know the the medical profession has been stretched almost to the limit. Yes. And if there's going to be a surge in cases who's going to need medical help, what's going to happen to the medical profession in the months ahead? Are you ask, Are you asking, uh, are the medical practitioners being asked to determine which individuals will get the help that is available or barely available? Is that the, are you talking a triage? I'm talking that if, if the medical profession is stretched almost to the limit now, yes, and there's going to be a surge in cases, yes, what's the medical what's the medical community going to look like in like by the first of the year or yes. by by uh, I understand. inauguration? Okay, I understand. Uh, it's my opinion that as they continue to be exposed even the most diligent practitioners, nursing staff, and as well as uh, uh, physicians will get sick, and some of them will die. There are lots of older physicians who are at risk. There are physicians who have diabetes. There are other physicians who have underlying comorbidities, as they call them, coronary vascular disease, coronary artery disease, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And they will get very sick, and they will have complications of the coronavirus, just as I do, and uh, they will that those complications will impair their ability to function. So they will be less functional, and some of them will be dead. So we're going to be confronted mm-hmm. with uh, fewer practitioners. How that's going to play out is probably not nice to think about. I don't know. I really, you know, what are you going? What the heck are we going to do? In this little community here, we have a half a dozen doctors, and what happens if we have uh, three or two? What are right. they going to do? You know, there's only right. so many yeah. hours that they can work. So what happens right. when you show? Yeah, when you show up in the emergency room with something unrelated to COVID, and uh, there's nobody there to see you. You you come there with chest pain, or you come there with a laceration or you come there, you fall off the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. What's going to happen with them? It's not going to be mm. good. Um, our, our time is up for today. Okay. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that this uh, discussion will go on, you know, 
well into the new year. Oh yeah. So you've been <laughs> you've been listening to Dr. Peter Crookson. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is All Exits Closed. And if you like this show, follow us on Twitter. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Call me back. Okay. Bye.